Hey there, we at Blue Wire wanted to thank you for your continued support of this podcast. With over 90 podcasts across our network, we are committed to bringing you great content to fill that sport-shaped hole in your heart. To find more Blue Wire pods, search for us on iTunes or check out bluewirepods.com. And remember, one day sports will return and it will be glorious. Thanks for listening. On to the show. button in three two and one it's another episode of the walk-off presented by blue wire pods betonline.ag and bluechew.com we got a whole bunch of sponsors here love it uh, we have talked with bill james we have talked with mike schmidt over the last couple of shows and got us getting to an idea here maybe we go back look at the 1980s and let's go back and tweak the awards voting because you know we look at it a different way now spader than we did you know 40 years ago in 1980 so was it kind of fun going through this yeah, um, and I was trying to keep a perspective of a voter then and not just look at, okay, let's give it to the award leader every single year. Um, but it, even with the information that they had in the 80s, I think that BBWA just did a terrible job. Well, yeah, I mean, Goose Gossage was, let's start in 1980, the AL MVP voting, because I think they got it right. They got George Brett, who had an 11-18 OPS that year, and the 390 batting average. I think people just look at that. Now, uh, Reggie Jackson was right there, too, but um, and even Cecil Cooper. But Rich Goose Gossage finished third that year. So who'd you have in the AL MVP voting? And then our guy Mike Schmidt had to deserve it in 1980 in the NL. Yeah, I actually agreed with BBWAA that time around. I mean, you, you, when you have a 390 bat, I, I, we say all the time, you know, well, batting average isn't the most important thing. But when your batting average is a really good uh, on-base percentage, Brett's batting average was higher than Schmidt's uh, on-base percentage that year. So when, um, when your batting average is a really good on-base percentage, you probably had a pretty damn good season. Then you throw in the OPS, like you said. Uh, not a real, not a stat that they really had at the time, but they um, they got it right with Brett and Schmidt, in my opinion. Yep, and those are the two best third basemen in the game at the time, two of the best third basemen ever, and they ended up meeting in the World Series that year with the Phillies winning over George Brett's Royals. So the AL Cy Young Award, that they didn't get right. They had no. Steve Stone winning it. I'll let you explain exactly you know, who should have won it there. And then the National League, they did get it right, though, right? Steve Carlton was ridiculous that year. If you look back at the, the numbers, the old-school numbers, so they probably looked at wins, and they said, okay, you know, he had 24-9. and nine. He had the most wins, but the ERA was 2.34. He threw just over 300 innings, and he blew everybody away with 286 Ks. We don't talk about Steve Carlton enough. Yeah, Steve Carlton, definitely the right choice for the uh, NL. And as clearly as they got that one right, they really dropped the ball in the American League. Steve Stone had, um, I guess he just beat Mike Norris out. Uh, definitely shouldn't have beat Mike Norris. But a guy who you didn't mention, um, Britt Burns on the White Sox, got no votes. Uh, and again, it's, it's, it's looking at the war. He had the high in the American League for pitchers, wins above replacement, but he had a really good season otherwise. So that, that was a season worthy of being among the top seven, which is what I'm showing is he, he just wasn't there. He didn't get a single vote point. Yeah, they had two great closers in the American League, finished third and fourth in Gossage, and uh, actually third and fifth in Dan Quisenberry. I mean, they just loved... The relievers back then it's amazing it, how much value they put on them it drove it, it drives me nuts the one so <laughs> 1979 is even worse and i'm glad we started with 80 pieces it would really 
it just drives me nuts. Some of the awards that they were giving what these happened? relief pitchers. Come on, it's uh, '80s, but well, come on. If you're upset about something, let's hear it. Well, you, well, '81. Hold on, '79. Are we talking? What do, what do we got? Yeah, what did you have in 1979? So I'll what? go back in time in the time machine here, and I'll tell you who won. But obviously, you're a little pissed off now. MVPs, you had Don Baylor. And uh, Keith Hernandez and Willie yeah, but, Stargell tying. But then it's – what are you looking at? Bruce Suter? Is that why yeah, you're upset because he won so, the NL? It's just disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> J.R. Richard probably could have taken it in, yeah. in the NL. I, I, would, I would have been okay with that. Or even give me Joe Necro. Give him his, tw- his 21 wins. But come on. Bruce Suter. Bruce nope. Suter. Great closer. Great closer. Hall of Fame closer. You know that. All right, let's get to 1981 here. 1981, Raleigh Fingers wins the MVP. Uh, Just hold your breath. Dewey and uh, Ricky Henderson, one of those two guys probably should have won it um, that year. Schmidt wins the MVP again in 1981, the guys at the top of his game. Andre Dawson finishes second. Schmidt had a 1080 OPS, um, 918 for Andre Dawson and the wars were very similar. They didn't have war back then, but seven seven for Schmidt, seven five for Dawson. Cy Young Award winners. Hey, listen, it was a clean sweep for Raleigh. MVP, AL Cy Young Award winner, and then the NL Cy Young. It, it was Fernando. Fernando Mania catching the world back then, and I completely understand why he beat out Tom Seaver that year in a strike shortened season. Yeah. Uh, so as far as the National League MVP. Uh, goes I, I'm giving it to Schmidt still uh, I think Dawson would have been a fine choice as well either one of them would have been would have been great choice but uh like uh like we said with Schmidt the other day 81 was probably shaping up to be his uh, best season of his career and um it unfortunately was only 100 and what 102 games but then you go into um the American League I, I'm taking the not just the MVP award from Raleigh Fingers. I'm taking the Cy Young award away from him, too. Um, give me Ricky Henderson for the MVP in 1981. Uh, and then um, I would I would say Burt Blylevin probably should have won the, uh, the Cy Young award for, um, uh, for Raleigh Fingers. Real quick, then. Ricky Henderson and Dwight Evans. We see them both with the same war, 6.7. Um, Dewey was a guy that hit more home runs, 22 to six over Ricky. The stolen base is 56 to three for Henderson, but Dewey had a higher on-base percentage, slugging percentage, and OPS. So why Ricky? Well, hold on. Yeah, I guess Dwight Evans would have been a good choice as well. So I'll take either one of them. Just get get the award out of Raleigh Fingers. Fingers. Poor Raleigh. Ugh. You're so mean. Oof. All right, let's get on to 1982. Again, we're just recap. We're revisiting all the awards and how the writers didn't have everything at their disposal, and that was that. And again, if you were a singles hitter back in the 80s, you were getting paid. You know, that was that was big. You were a spray hitter. If you got on base a ton, uh, you were doing well. So Robin Yount in 1982 wins the MVP in the American League. I have a hard time thinking you're going to change your mind on that. Oh, here's a, bell, a blast from the past. So Eddie Murray finished a second. Doug DeSensei's from the California Angels. You talk about a mustache. This dude was the mustache uh, king. He finished third that year in the National League. It was uh, Dale Murphy deservingly winning the MVP. Although I wonder what you're going to say about Pedro Guerrero and Mike Schmidt. And the winners in the AL Cy Young, you had Pete Vukovic winning that year. 223 innings, ERA plus a 114. They got that wrong, didn't they? I feel like Jim Palmer had a better year. Sutcliffe had a better year. And then in the National League, Steve Carlton wins once again. So who did they get it right anywhere? I feel like 82, they screwed up. 82 was pretty screwed up. And you said Dale Murphy, de- deservingly so. And I, I'm not going to take his MVP award, but I would have voted for uh, Gary Carter that year. Why? Carter, over 150 games from the catcher. I mean, the guy had an absolute monster season, batted 293, 381 on, on base percentage, and um, slugged 510 from a catcher. So I'd probably give it to um, Gary Carter over Dale Murphy. Robin Young, uh, I'd say they got that one all right. He's uh, one of the best seasons of his entire career. You can't take that MVP away. Um, I'd, I'd actually take the Cy Young away from Steve Carlton. Go with wow. Steve, Steve Rogers. 
And then um, in the uh, American League, Pete Vukovic, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's so stupid. Why? Why? What? Like the best thing that he did in his career was, who did he play in Major League? <laughs> who did he play? He was um, the hitter in Major League. That tr- traded from the Indians to the White Sox. I can't remember what the hell his Me name neither. was. Um, but uh, Dave Steib. I would have gone with Dave, Dave Steib. Steeb. Steeb, whatever. Come on. If you call Dave Steeb, Dave Stobby, he's going to kick your butt. <laughs> but I like it, man. I like it. So no Steve Carlton that year? Yes, Steve Carlton. Just going back real quick. I, there's just guys that had better years. Steve, Steve Rogers. I would have given it to Steve him Rogers? Yeah. I mean, Joaquin Andujar. You would talk about a guy. The, the Cardinals in the 80s, my goodness, these guys were just loaded. They had Andujar, and then they would had John Tudor, and they had Worrell at the back end. Uh, those Cardinals teams were really, really good, and Andujar had come over from the Astros to the Cardinals back in 81. He was their ace for a little bit. 84-85, he was just about as good as anybody. So Joaquin Andujar for those Cardinals fans out there. Are we done with 82? Are we ready to go to 83? Yeah. All right, here we go. Cal Ripken Jr. wins the MVP, beats out his teammate Eddie Murray. So 15 first-place votes for Ripken, 10 for Murray, OPS 930 to 888 for Murray. More home runs, six more for Murray. I kind of feel like Eddie Murray probably should have won that one. In the National League, Dale Murphy again with Dawson and Schmidt right I mean Mike Schmidt every single freaking year he's right up there uh Lamar Hoyt from the White Sox that 83 White Sox team led by Tony La Russa with him and Harold Baines and Lamar Hoyt who ends up going um 3.7 uh war Jack Morris probably deserved it as every bit as much that year and John Denny won it in the National League honestly I'd have gotten no no nothing right if you would ask me who won the Cy Youngs in 83. Um, so with the Cy Young Awards, I'm giving another one to Dave Steeb. Yeah, it's my boy. Uh, I actually I actually had Steeb winning 82, 83, and 84. So he's going to take that from Willie Hernandez in 84. But then um, I, I, I left John Denny there as the NL winner. And uh, as far as the MVPs, those are pretty good choices with Murphy and uh, Ripken. Um, you could have gone with Murray. Uh, Boggs probably deserved a little bit more notoriety. You know, it's funny. To start it off, you said if you're a singles hitter or a slap hitter in the 80s, you're getting paid. Boggs just never got any kind of MVP push at all. I don't even think he had a first-place vote for in his career. You know what's interesting, though? It's like he didn't get the vote, but everybody knew he was one of the best hitters in the game. You know, it was like Wade Boggs. If you go back in time, like, I need his rookie card. He's a superstar. Wade Boggs was absolutely amazing. But he still didn't deserve the... the well, you know what? He probably should have been second, huh? I, I would say definitely top three. Uh, yeah. I think, what did he finish, though? Ninth? I, I don't even... He finished 12th. 12th. Ugh. Stupid. Yeah. I mean, Harold Baines with a 7.76 OPS finished 10th. It's because he was on a good team. You know, the yeah. White Sox. But by the way, we're sleeping on Cecil Cooper. Cecil Cooper st- keeps popping in, in, in all of these. And Cecil Cooper just missed get, hitting 300, hit 298. And I kind of feel like because of the way that the voters were voting back then uh, for the Hall of Fame. And I guess his last year would have been, what, 15 years later? So maybe 2002. If he had a 300 by his, by his stats, he would have been in the Hall of Fame. But he didn't. Yeah, uh, he's a, a really good. It's a really good player who just doesn't really seem to get talked about. I kind of put him with, um, uh, sort of on par with like a Dave Parker. And mm. uh, I, I know you're you're probably loving all these names, throwing you back to all your. You keep saying the rookie cards and stuff. That's yeah. great, but um, he had a, a lot of black ink throughout his career. Led the league in doubles twice, total bases, uh, RBIs twice. Um, so he probably, I don't know if he, he gets in the Hall of Fame with that 300 average, but he, uh, you could probably make a pretty good case by those standards uh, of the time. I'm telling you, dudes, that, that, dude, when they look at 300 back in the day, it seems like that was the magic number and they got you in. All right, 1984. Now we're starting to get ready. We're getting closer to the years that I remember the whole years. I do remember the World Series very well, and that was the Tigers 
over Tony Gwynn and the Padres. And Willie Hernandez, another reliever, just blown away, man. Here you go. First place, Detroit Tigers, Willie Hernandez, 1.92 ERA, a sub one whip at .94. Um, came out, had some some big saves, 232 saves, but he didn't even have the most. I mean, Dan Quisenberry finished third. So Kent Herbeck finished second. Do you give it to Kent going uh, 383 on base percentage, 906 OPS, 27 home runs. You had Eddie Murray again. You had Don Mattingly bursting onto the scene uh, that year. So who was it in the American League? The National League, I think. You know, they probably could have given it to Mike Schmidt, but the Cubs were the big team of the year, and you know they broke the postseason spell, their drought that they had that year. In the AL Cy Young Award voting, not only did he win MVP, he won Cy Young, Willie Hernandez. Then Dan Quisenberry finished his second. He had to go down to third to Burt Blylevin, who probably should have won it that year. And then in the National League, it was Rick Sutcliffe, and Rick Sutcliffe was absolutely amazing. He came over in a trade from the uh, Cleveland Indians. Doc Gooden finished second that year. I think you could make a nice case uh, for Doc Gooden too. And there's Joaquin Andujar, number four. So what do you got? Three, <laughs> we got way too many. One, two, two relievers in the top five in the National League and the top two in the American League for Cy Young. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm out on Willie Hernandez complete. Uh, he's losing both of his awards. Um, <laughs> I'm going with Cal Ripken Jr. who had one of the best seasons of a shortstop ever played all 162 games batted 304 374 510 27 homers and then if you look in uh what we can do now and apply the wins above replacement thing you know he's got 10 so he he was my um al mvp and then again steve is going to uh, take it home for the uh cy young and then um the nl cy young i i went ahead and said uh dwight gooden probably should have won uh, that one and giving him back to back with his 84 85 uh so why gooden that year why does he leapfrog what, what, I, I put together a hold on oh hold uh, on let me just read it off here, okay yeah so Sutcliffe, this was a peculiar case Sutcliffe went 16 and one but he only started 20 games well he got traded uh, from the indians right Okay, but so he was so he, he, he won based off just cup. his um, and he else, carried the Cubs rotation on his back. He was amazing that season. What did he do? Uh, Eighty. Okay, I wasn't looking at it when I looked at this one. I wasn't looking at it as if um, he had pitched the entire season. Mm-hmm. I, did, I didn't realize he was on the Indians first. But uh, yeah, if you com- if you combine, I, I guess it, I don't know, man. Can you just look at his? Because if you went from an NL team to an NL team, you'd look at the the entirety of mm-hmm. his work, right? Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. Uh, with all that being said, though, you know he came over, and uh, I'll tell you again, '84 was like this magical year for the Cubs. It was the greatest year that they'd had in 40, 30, 40 some odd years. And when they made that trade, he did, they took off under him. So I feel like just the numbers, it was good. And but then if you look at what Sutcliffe meant to that team. I understand the voting that year. Okay, I'm, I'm not gonna, I, and I know you're. Yeah, a but little the numbers Cubs say you, the numbers say <laughs> Gooden, right? Uh, as far as I'm concerned, yeah, absolutely. Especially when you look at the full body of the work. But I, I, I guess you have to put some some stock in the fact that he came over and revitalized that team yeah, in look, some way. All right, this is the fun one. Here we go. 1985. I remember everything about the 1985 season. I remember talk about baseball cards. 35,000 Don Mattingly tops Fleer or oh, the Don Russ rookie. That thing was supposed to be worth a million dollars by now. And it's off. So it's uh, obviously not that way right now, but Don Mattingly, he wins the MVP won 23 of the 28 votes. He hit 35 home runs, 145 RBIs and a 939 OPS. And this was a resurgent Yankees team, which had been, you know, for a, a couple of years, kind of on the down, but, George Brett finishes second, much higher OPS, 1022, uh, five less home runs. You had Ricky Henderson right in the mix. Boggs finished fourth that year. Uh, poor Donnie Moore, the reliever, finished sixth. And here's Eddie Murray again. It really is amazing how Eddie Murray is in this every year. In the National League, Willie McGee, fascinating, because that year we looked at Willie McGee. We said, oh, man, you know, the Cardinals, they're going to get to the World Series. They did. 
they ended up beating the Dodgers in the NLCS and uh, ended up losing the World Series to the Royals on that Don Denkinger call. But I don't think McGee was the guy. Dave Parker finished second. I, I always thought that Pedro Guerrero was the best player I saw that year. And Pete finished third with a 999 OPS, 33 home runs. And uh, in the AL Cy Young Award voting, I have no issue with Brett Saberhagen winning that. And I have no issue. I, I tell you right now, to this day, maybe statistically it doesn't say it, but Dwight Gooden's 1985 was the most dominating year I've ever seen out of a pitcher. And that includes the Clayton Kershaw stuff. You know, it was a different time. Guys were not swinging to hit home runs. He had 268 strikeouts. Okay. And <laughs> how much better was that? Um, better than just about anybody. I mean, Burt Blylevin had 206. Fernando had 208. Doc just blew everybody out of the water. That curveball was nasty. 1.53 ERA, .96 whip, 2.29 ERA plus. To me, that's the greatest pitching season I've ever seen, Spader. Yeah, I actually went against, uh, I guess, against my grain here, and um, gave. Good in the MVP award as well, just because it was the probably one of the most dominant pitching seasons ever. I don't think there's really any debate there. The numbers will say that, and then you uh, being fortunate enough to see that saw it. And uh, I would have been okay with Pedro Guerrero uh, taking it home as well, but um, I, I got to go with Dwight Gooden there, and then um, Don Mattingly. I'm I'm sorry, Donnie Baseball. I, I got to give it to uh, either Ricky Henderson or uh, Wade Box. And we look at the. It's again, it's easy to look at the um, wins above replacement and all the saber metrics that we have now. But let's look at that Henderson season. He had 146 runs scored in 143 games. That is ridiculous. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, this is, that really was. And you know what was interesting about that, too? And it might have been 84, not 85, but that was about Mattingly and Dave Winfield battling for the MVP that year. And in it ended up going to Mattingly. And I don't even see where Winfield was on the list. I mean, I don't know what the hell happened to Winfield, but Winfield was having a a monster season too. Let me go back and check and see if it was 84 instead of 85. But man, I tell you, no, I don't know why Dave Winfield wasn't in there. Fascinating. But he had some great years and, but Mattingly was the star. Bat Mattingly and Gooden were the two biggest stars in baseball. And when you play in New York, you're going to get even more pub. Well, so, Ricky was in New York with Mattingly that he year. Was the third guy on that team, believe it or not. It was Mattingly and then it was Winfield and then it was Henderson. That is, that is ridiculous. And then look at you got Gidry on there with some votes as well. A lot of Yankees on this list. They were good that year. They didn't get to the playoffs. They were good. All right, '86. This is my favorite baseball season ever, for so many different reasons. But I want to start with the Cy Young Awards because these are the two uh, that stand out to me. Mike Scott wins it in the National League, and let's face it, Mike Scott was scuffing balls. He had that. They, they, oh, it was the best split fingered fastball ever he scuffed balls and that's why it was so awesome he was amazing though and had he pitched a game seven in the 86 nlcs the mets would have lost uh, they had to beat the the astros in six because this guy was just unstoppable and mets players just just about every one of them said we couldn't have hit him like he had us mike scott this is 1986 306 strikeouts that's something only like nolan ryan would do and, and, and scott was on the astros fernando finished second i don't think there's anybody that even sniffs what scott did maybe bob ojita from the mets and then the the american league cy young award voting this was awesome because roger clemens we talk about how dominant gooden was the year before clemens wasn't that dominant but when you go 24 and 4 just like gooden did Back in the day, you go 24 and 4, you're winning. But then he had the 2480 ERA and the 169 ERA plus. And Teddy Higuera, let's talk about Teddy for a second, right? Comes over, what, he was a little bit older when he made his debut that year? Yeah, 20, 27. 27, came out of Mexico from nowhere. I, and I didn't even realize that. I just remember, oh, Teddy Higuera, this guy's amazing. But he didn't have as great a career as I thought he would. But he was solid for about four years. He was an all-star in 86. So he had that. So Clemens and Scott. And then the MVP voting, Mike Schmidt wins again. I don't think anybody was even close to him. Glenn Davis, Gary Carter, Keith Hernandez were uh, two, three, and four. And then Clemens wins the MVP ahead of Don Mattingly, who had a 967 OPS, a 
7.2 war, hit 31 home runs. He should have won it that year. You're saying Schmidt, you're, you're for? Clem, Clemens should have lost it to Mattingly. Mattingly should have won it in the American League. And we don't have any Major League Baseball. We got no hockey. We got no NBA. But you might think there's nothing to bet on, and you'd be wrong. Bet online. BetOnline.ag is the website. BetOnline.ag. It's our exclusive partner. They got hundreds of events, games, props to wager on. They got an online casino, poker, blackjack. They're bringing Vegas to you. And if you are missing the NFL, I am too. No problem. Bet online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations that you can bet on. It's pretty cool. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol stock prices, Nathan's hot dog eating contest. It's open 24 hours a day. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE to join today. Receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your new online wagering solution. That's betonline.ag. Hey guys, looking to last longer? Go a few extra rounds? Get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys, too. Visit BlueChew.com. Get your first order when you use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Pay just 5 bucks shipping. Again, B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. So for the Cy Young Awards, I, I kept them the same. I think that they were fine. But the... Um... The, I, th- I think it's it's funny we you say Schmidt and we just had him on and I feel terrible saying this but you could have made a case for Tony Gwynn or Tim Raines that year uh, to win the um, uh, MVP awards uh, I'm not going to take down a, uh, a statue for, for Schmidt though and then um, uh, I think the American League who'd you say you, you go uh, Mattingly I would have gone Mattingly over Clemens that year well, so, I pr- I probably go with with Boggs again over over both of them. All right, now this is just because you are biased. But ah. it's just, all right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Nine sixty seven to nine thirty nine, higher OPS for Mattingly. He had a uh, much higher slugging percentage, almost a hundred points. His on base percentage was much lower than Boggs though, four fifty three to three ninety four. Home runs thirty one for Mattingly, eight for Boggs. Defensively, Mattingly was as great a second uh, first baseman as there was in baseball. One of the greatest of all time for the back injury. I don't understand how you can make a case for Boggs there. I just value uh, on base percentage a great deal mm-hmm. uh, typically you can look at a, a point in on base per, excuse me a point in on base percentage is generally worth two and a half to three points in slugging percentage and when you're getting on base at a clip of greater than 45 percent I think there's a case to be made and I think that uh Wade Boggs just was um, done wrong by the voters in the 80s and uh, should have should have at least had a couple MVPs in there Jim Rice finished third in the AL MVP voting. I do want to bring up George Bell and Jesse Barfield real quick. I absolutely love these two guys. Nobody was hitting 40 home runs back in the 80s. It just wasn't happening in the early to mid-80s. He hit 40 home runs that year, and I'm like, oh, my God, I got to get Jesse Barfield's rookie cards and George Bell. George Bell now owns some car dealerships. He's a really smart guy. And I don't know what Jesse's up to, but he had a kid play in the majors. Sounds good for him. Way to go. 1987. Juice ball. They call it the rabbit ball season. Oh, uh, yeah. 80, what was that? 87, right? Yep. Nobody hit um, 40 home runs. Bell hit 47 that year. Dawson hit 49 that year. Dale Murphy hit 44 that year. So the ball was very lively. The American League MVP voting went like this. George Bell won it in a very tight race over Alan Trammell that year. So that was fascinating. But Bell had the 47 home runs. McGuire, he was the hottest name in baseball. 49 home runs that season 49 home runs nl mvp voting dawson wins it on a last place team the cubs ozzy smith jack clark ozzy smith i'm interested in hear what you got to say about ozzy defensively the wizard his war was 6.4 which was much higher than dawson's and um and jack clark as well cy young award clemens wins it again 20 and 9 297 era 256 k's mark langston did have more k's than him that year and then um steve bedrosian this is the one that kills you sutcliffe finished second 
Rick Russell, great golfer, finished third. Oral Hershiser, who in 85 set the scoreless record. Or actually, that was 88 scoreless inning streak is what he had. So he had a great 87 and a better 88. But um, that's where it went. Dwight Gooden finished fifth. So who are the award winners here? AL, NL MVP voting first. So uh, NL MVP, I, I can't go Andre Dawson. I'm taking that away. It's got to be either Gwynn or Tim Raines. And if you look at the season that Tim Raines had, it, he didn't debut until May, I think, May 2nd that year. And it was because he was one of the guys impacted by um, the uh, what was it, the GM collusion, right? But look at that season that he had. It's one of the one of the best seasons by a leadoff guy ever, especially if you project it out over the um, full 162, which is unfortunate because he can't really do that. But uh, I think um, his his impact was uh, MVP worthy. He only missed uh, if 11 not him. games. Say again? He only missed 11 games in 86. It, no, we're talking 87. 80s. Now I got <laughs> going all over the place, dude. All right, yes. Yes, 80. And I remember his comeback, too. He just single-handedly destroyed the Mets when he came back. Yeah, he hit a grand slam in his first game back. Yeah, I think he went amazing. like five for six or something. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I go with either Gwynn or uh, Rock Reigns for the NL MVP. Uh, AL, I got to go with, again, I got to go with Boggsy. Got to go with Boggsy or Trammell. I, I would take either one of them. Um, uh, George Bell, I, I guess the, the the home run thing was there for him, 47. I mean, but then if you're going to face it off. Bad. He slugged almost as much as McGuire did. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I, I just not an MVP okay. to me. It's I, I home runs in RBI. I just hard time, but it's what mattered at the time, I guess. I wouldn't necessarily take it away from Bell, I guess, but I just think they could have done a better job with the voting. And mm. I would have gone with Wade Boggs again. Maybe I'm biased, and then that. NL Cy Young Award is just brutal. It's one of my least favorite awards of all time. You got to go with uh, Nolan Ryan or Bob Welch. Uh, either one of them would have been a far better choice than Steve Bedrosian and this weird obsession that we have with saves in the 80s. It, isn't it fascinating? Like every year, these guys are either winning it or they're finishing second or first. So that was brutal. And then the AL Cy Young was, was Roger Clements. Yeah, and you can. Absolutely. Now, I will say this. Let me just bring this up real quick. Guy by the name of Doyle Alexander. I'll never forget this because he was traded from the Braves to the Tigers for John Smoltz. And John Smoltz went out just in his debut, shut down the Mets. It was amazing to watch him work. Doyle Alexander, when he got traded, now people say, oh, the Tigers, this was the worst trade ever. They gave up a Hall of Famer. But Doyle Alexander went 9-0 and with a 1-5-3 down the stretch and he really i don't want to say single-handedly but he kept them in that thing um yeah. so I, I know braves fans freak out or tigers fans freak out about it but that was the ultimate win now move i i just have a hard time giving a, a guy an award when he's only got 11 games started it's just too small of a sample for me especially when you got roger clemens he had 18 complete games that year that's mm ridiculous yeah i'm not saying give it to him what i am saying is like that's a name that people just glance over if they ever look at it no 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 no. doyle alexander was they think oh doyle alexander he's the guy that got traded for john smoltz a stupid trade hey the tigers went on to win 98 games and beat the blue jays out and get to the postseason so i mean it was a one-year thing i'm sure they would have liked to have smoltz but it just didn't happen all right 1988 yes 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 Where's Jose Canseco? Yes, that was the Jose Canseco year. He got every first place vote. 959 OPS, 42 home runs, 124 RBI, 40 stolen bases. I think he was the first 40-40 guy, as a matter of fact. I have a tough time really putting anybody ahead of him. Mike Greenwell and Kirby Puckett had great seasons that year as well. They just didn't hit as many home runs was what it was. Mike Greenwell was a little disappointed. I thought he was going to be a superstar for the Red Sox and kind of flamed out there. Kirk Gibson wins the MVP with the Dodgers. He was hurt later on, uh, later in that season. Then he hit the major, major home run, one of the greatest home runs in the history of baseball, beating the A's off that, uh, Dennis Eckersley in game one of the World Series. 
Ah, man, Will Clark, Andy Vance, like Kevin McReynolds, Daryl Strawberry, all these names. It's just amazing. And David Cohn finished 10th in the MVP award. Okay. In the National League Cy Young Award voting, again, Hershiser set the consecutive scoreless inning streak. It was 58 or 59 or whatever. Uh, he swept it. Danny Jackson, David Cohn, 2-3. And then Frank Viola edges out Dennis Eckersley. Now, let's talk about Eckersley this year, okay? Eckersley, he was amazing, right? Um nobody could hit him like he came in until the world series nobody could hit dennis eckersley he ends up coming out and winning that thing on 45 saves but uh frank viola wins it going 24 and 7 154 era plus to me it was between viola and gubaza but i that is one year i would not have been upset if dennis eckersley won it i know you would have been upset but dennis eckersley was just not that's it you get to the ninth inning or even the eighth inning he's going to shut you down uh, so with the Cy Young, I, I was fine with how that voting turned out in 88. Um, Eck, I think what he wanted, he, he ended up winning a Cy Young and an MVP in 92, right? So uh, when we go through the 90s, I, I think that's when we'll, we'll have to get through some of this, uh, some of the uh, taking away of the awards for, uh, for that guy. But uh, he was dominant in 88, but... I, I think like his best seasons were if you look 89 90 91 uh, into 92 um so that was like the start of his i guess run of dominance and then that 1990 season absolutely ridiculous 0.61 era um but uh as far as the um nl mvp goes you got gibson i, I think gibson was a fine choice i i probably would have leaned will clark and maybe that's just because I, I want to say that BBWA didn't do their job. You and, hate uh, them. <laughs> <laughs> but um, again, here you're going to call me, a, 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 I guess, a homer. I don't know how, how it works. But uh, my bias is showing, I suppose. But 88 AL MVP, got to go with Wade Boggs. Again? 476 on base percentage. He had a higher OPS than Canseco. Canseco went 40-40, man. He he was juicing up. He was 40-40. He'd done something nobody had ever seen before. Come on, I, man. I, I just don't care about 40-40. Well, now be you don't. What if somebody went 50-50, but somebody had like better numbers like Boggs did? If somebody went 50-50, you wouldn't give them the MVP? That, I mean, that you probably had pretty good numbers otherwise if you go 50-50. Going 40-40 is pretty good numbers, too. You know who uh, you're, you're bringing up the uh, 50-50 and nobody ever did it. But um, one of my favorite stats I ever came across is uh, a guy who I can't believe we haven't talked to, uh, talked about through all of this. But Eric Davis. <laughs> <gasps> Eric Davis. He, oh, what an amazing baseball player. So he had a span of 162 games from June 18, 1986 to July 10. 1987 and this is over 162 games where he had 49 homers and 93 stolen bases <laughs> oh god well now we're in the year that he probably should have at least uh had a claim to it and that would be 1989 i mean this guy was special it was him and daryl strawberry were supposed to be the two best players in baseball for a long time right it just didn't work out i mean davis battled injuries he had cancer Strawberry would later have cancer, but, you know, he had the alcohol problem and the drug problem, and they both kind of got derailed. But let's start in that MVP voting in the National League in 1989. So it's just kind of familiar, guys. Kevin Mitchell, who was a big-time prospect with the Mets, he had 47 home runs that year, took 20 of the 24 first-place votes. Then it was Will Clark, Pedro Guerrero, and Ryan Sandberg. And all the way down in ninth place, was Eric Davis, 908 OPS, 34 homers, 101 RBIs, and 21 stolen bases. Oh, my man, Hojo, too. Howard Johnson might have had a better year that year. Mets third baseman, 928 OPS, 41 stolen bases, 36 home runs. Man, there were some big-time years that year, and it's amazing. If you look at the top 10 MVP voting that year, Tony Gwynn finished eighth, and Ryan Sandberg finished fourth, and that's it. Those are the only two guys to get to the Hall of Fame. Just so, start with the NL MVP voting. We'll get into the other ones. But who should have won that? Uh, I would have. I think Mitchell was a pretty good choice. Um, and it's like you said, there's a whole list of guys you could have really taken any of them. But I look back at this, and it, it looks to me like I, I gotta say, Lonnie Smith. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh no. 
monster season. And Lonnie Smith is is a really interesting um, just uh, baseball career. And you look at if you would have showed me just his like just his nineteen like let's say nineteen eighty one to eighty three, and then his eighty nine season. I'd be like, oh, this guy's definitely a Hall of Famer. But it, it's like he fell apart in the middle there for some reason. Oh, my God. Look, at, was, look uh, at his. Oh, drugs. His, what I don't was know if this was pre or post cocaine, though. I, don't, I, I didn't know. Lonnie Smith, a well, lot of those I mean, guys in the probably 80s. Probably four out of ten athletes were using cocaine. <laughs> it's like, hey, you want a bottle of water? Well, I don't think they had bottled water. You want a glass of water and some Coke? And they'd be like, all right, good. Yeah, that's good. I want to feel good after the game. So, yeah, yeah that's what happened. I, Lonnie it, Smith, I laughed when you did that. He did have an amazing season, though, didn't he, in 89? Absolutely like, ridiculous. 21 you homers, talk about, 25 He did steals. everything. He was great in the field, uh-huh. uh, which he wasn't really early in his career. Um, it stole bases, hit homers. Led the league in on-base percentage. On base percentage. 15, yeah. yeah, he was great that year. Yeah. But um, And then in the uh, American League, you got Robin Yount, um, which, again, you can't really take awards away from Robin Yount. And if anything, you should probably add in some. But uh, I would have gone with probably either uh, Ricky Henderson or, again, with uh, with my guy, Wade Box. <laughs> either one of them. I think McGriff, Fred McGriff had a claim to that. And that was the, he was in Toronto at the time. There was him and Alomar went there. And then was it back to San Diego was... Um, was it Joe Carter? It was in a deal with it was Fred McGriff. Um, he started in Toronto, so McGriff goes to San Diego, and then you had um, Alomar going to Toronto. So that's what happened there. Robin Yount won it, 896 OPS, 21 homers, 19 stolen bases. Ruben Sierra was second. Cal Ripken Jr. third. My guy was McGriff though, 36 homers. I believe he led the american league that year and if he didn't he was right there um he ended up with a 924 ops but back then you had to have a batting average right and he only hit 269 so they didn't look at him and my man kirby puckett too let's not forget about kirby this was one of his best years but he did hit 339 with nine homers 11 stolen bases and stellar out in the field so that was that yeah, McGriff did uh, lead the league in home runs that year, but um, I guess it's like you said that 269 batting average is kind of an eyesore. Even though, if you look at his on base percentage, well, it was better than the guy who won the MVP and who hit 318. So he was still getting on base at a at a pretty filthy clip, even with a lower batting average, and then leading the league in homers as well. So the Cy Young Award voting, Brett Saberhagen, who, let me go look at the numbers. I want to say off the top of my head over like a five-year span was as good as any pitcher in Major League Baseball. He won two Cy Young Awards. He won it in 85, and he won it in 89. He was terrific. I mean, gosh, if you really look at it, he probably had about seven or eight really good seasons. Just not Hall of Fame worthy is the only thing. But Saberhagen won it that year, the Royals ace. Ends up going 23-6. and six. Again, wins mattered back then. 262 innings, 216 ERA. That's pretty good. 193 strikeouts. Nolan Ryan is a guy, I wonder if you're going to give it to him, with 301 Ks that season. The ERA was over a run higher. Uh, the whip was quite a bit higher as well. But who wins the American League? Yeah, Saberhagen's <clears throat> runaway, the, the runaway. best choice there. Um, they, they really nailed that. But as much as they nailed that one, they dropped the ball in the National League uh, version of the award. Hey, don't you start besmirching the name of Mark Davis, the former Padres closer, who is now an announcer with them. But, yeah, they botched that pretty bad. And then there's Mike Scott again, finishing second, 20-10, and 3-1-0 ERA, 172 Ks. Wow, he dropped off there. And Greg Maddox shows up on the list in 89, buddy. The Chicago Cubs starter, Greg Maddox, 19-12. and 12. 295 ERA, 238 innings. He had just 135 strikeouts. <laughs> yeah, but then the guy who's fourth is who I would have chosen, Oral Hershiser. Yeah. But you can't win a Cy Young Award when you go 15 and 15, right? Mm. No, no, no. I guess back then you couldn't. Remember when Felix mm. Hernandez won the Cy Young and like everybody, what was he? He was a game under 500 or maybe even 500. And everybody, oh, he doesn't I deserve it. He was by far and away the best pitcher. He, I think he was 13 and 12. I think he was one over. Mm. Um, but uh, what you, what you, now you got me pulling this. What year was that? That was 
2010, he was uh, 13 and 12, 2270 RA, 249 and two thirds innings. Gosh, he was amazing. He's a Hall of Famer but, in my book, by the way. I'm sure uh, a lot of people will say he's not, but if you go look at his jaws at like the eight best years that he had, one, two, three, he was amazing. He really was amazing for a long time. But uh, that's the 80s revisiting the awards. I liked it. We how about that? How about this, though? God, how, could you imagine what that would have done for the uh, kill the win movement if you gave um, Hershiser the award in 89 when he led the league in, in games lost? Oh, my God. Do you know how angry they would have been? Like, people would like, how can you do that? It's the worst. But I'm sure we'll be looking back at these awards in 30 years, Spader, and I'll be... Uh, I'll, I'll be probably taking more time to walk across my house even than I do now with a ruptured Achilles. And I don't know what you'll be doing. Who knows? You'll probably just be buying stocks and bonds and looking at old film from you know the 2010s. But 30 years from now, it's going to change too, isn't it? Uh, it's it, it has to. I think that's just the nature of the beast. But I don't think we're ever going to look back and say that Mike Trout didn't deserve an award mm-hmm. or... I think they do a much better job today is what my overarching point is. What you're saying is uh, we won't have MVPs that were relievers. Say again? We will not have MVPs that were relievers. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It really upsets me a great deal. And um, it was really exciting for me to hear Bill James agree uh, with that as well. All right, so we revisited the awards back then. And real quick, I just want to give a shout-out here to my man. Uh, Spader because he lined up the interviews for Bill James and Mike Schmidt and I thought it was funny how you ended up uh, getting Mike Schmidt can you tell the story just to our listeners real quick how you landed those two guys Uh, Bill I just reached out to him um, and I I talked baseball with him a number of times I sent him a copy of my book and uh, somebody just uh, I looked up to so I, I thought hey you know maybe he'll come talk some baseball with us and he much to my surprise he was like all right right on and uh schmidt is um uh in the corner for dick allen and i've put some uh, numbers out there for schmidt to use uh making his case for dick allen and i just figured same type of thing i was like hey maybe i'll get him to come on talk some baseball with us and fortunately enough he was he was on board Yep, Schmidt was really cool. That was really cool. That was great, and it got me thinking about the '80s again, which is kind of fun, you know. Just I think the peak time to be a sports fan is what maybe when you're about 11 to 13, middle school maybe, because like you're really interested in girls, but just I was still too. I looked like I was four, so no girls were messing with me back then in middle school. I did have one girlfriend. Her name was Emily Grant. And uh, uh, the problem was once I asked her to go steady with me, I would not even talk to her and I'd avoid her as much as she wanted. So like two days later, she had another boyfriend. That just killed me, buddy. Anyways, uh, getting go steady. What was your prime for for baseball viewing? Uh, In it now? No, when I was 13. In terms of being a fan, it was right around there, 13. Um, Probably through 15, 16 years old. I don't, I don't know. Um, but the, I, I, like, I, obviously I remember the 2008 season as a fan, but I think it was, um, <laughs> when there was the, uh, uh, I don't know, the, I guess the innocence that comes with being 12, 13 years old. Yeah. And you look at these guys like they're uh, superheroes, right? And, uh, unfortunately for me, when I was 12, 13 years old, my Phillies kind of were terrible, um, and uh, the the best players on their team were like Rico Bronia and <laughs> Rico Bronia, Pat Burrell, oh my Doug God. Glanville. We gotta we gotta have Doug on. <laughs> you were not old enough then. You were you? You were not old enough to remember '83. Were you even born? No, I was born in '89, man. And not, so you didn't remember? You mean '93? '93, yeah. So you don't remember? Yeah, I don't. I have no recollection. My first memories of baseball really are. Uh, probably coming out of the strike, and unfortunately. <laughs> oh God, really? Yeah. That's brutal. Um, so, uh, other than that, though, you go. You now you got into the '90s, and uh, my my first real baseball memories, I guess, are the home run chase, and I was nine years old at that point. Mm. Nine years old. Nice work, buddy. All right, let's get out of here. That was fun. 
Uh, if we have any news on whether or not we're going to be playing baseball soon, we'll definitely do an emergency pod. It just seems like it's more speculation, though. Spader, it's just like, hey, you know, next week we'll have a proposal. Who the hell knows what's going to happen next week? So I'm still just saying, you know, if, if we play in July, I'll be happy. If we don't, I wouldn't be surprised. And I will be cutting you a check. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's already happening. There's no way they're getting ready by, by June 1st. That's not happening. It's just, it sucks. It's, a, it's yeah. a, as simple as that. It really, really sucks not having baseball. So there you go. All right, buddy. Great work. Appreciate it. How do they follow you on Twitter? Uh, the Ace of Spader. I'm assuming that everybody who is listening already does. <laughs> You're assuming that? Yeah. Well, what about, you know, the buxom women that are in my fan club that have not thought about following you yet? So. The uh, the Tinder Tinder broads? Tinder girls. The Tinder you can't ladies. say broads anymore. I don't the think Tinder that's ladies. offensive. Can you right? say Broad Street Bullies? Can you say broads? Can you say Broad Street Bullies? It's like just was a thing that people referred to I know. Uh, as Times women changed, when buddy. I was younger, I guess. Times Artie Lang, broads. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll catch you next week with another edition. Oh, do we have a guest lined up, by the way, before we get out of uh, here? Yeah, we could do uh, uh, Glanville, I guess. Yeah, we have talk uh, Doug Glanville. He's a smart oh, guy. Oh, and then Carabas said he'll come on but with us, Karibis. too. I had to look him up. Barstool uh, Red Sox guy. I think he'd be interesting to talk to because he um, he's my age, and he grew up with uh, Wade Boggs being like an enemy because he was you know the, with the Yankees and on the um, he really got a bad rep for the uh, getting on the horse thing. Yeah, Yankee fans are or Red Sox fans are still salty about that. Very salty. Yeah. Can you blame them though? I mean, the ah, Phillies don't have a rival like the Red Sox and Yankees. The Phillies, do the Phillies even have a rival? Who's the Phillies' rival? The Mets, I guess, but it's, no, it's not, it's not, it's the, not the, Mets. the same. Who cares about the Phillies and the Mets? All right, we will catch you um, Monday. We'll be dropping our next podcast with a guess, whether it be Carabas or somebody else. This has been The Walkout.